Maybe just tell yourself, mm -hmm. no matter what it is, I can do it. That mentality will like push you through any problem, right? Because if you have a problem in front of you, how do I get this Facebook ad live? How do I get it profitable? Well, you've already committed that you're going to make this work. So if you make this work, your, your brain's going to constantly be looking for solutions on how to make this work, right? You're going to think of any way to try to make this work. So have a lot of confidence in yourself, bet on yourself, and just believe that you, know, you can make it work. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in. My guest today is Bobby Pham. I was super excited to have a chance to speak with him today. He's an SEO specialist and has been for the last 12 years, so he's a true veteran in his field. If you're unfamiliar with what SEO is, I'll just quickly explain it to you. Search engine optimization is the art and science of getting your website to rank higher for specific search terms. So for example, I run a web design agency. It would be in my best interest to appear first when someone searches for web design agency in Google or Bing or Yahoo or whatever they're using. So Bobby, what he does is he works with companies to help them optimize their websites and landing pages to appear higher on those search results and help them achieve their business goals that way. Bobby's a true professional. I've worked with him before on, on many projects. I really enjoyed speaking with him. We go pretty pretty technical on some stuff, but I think we zoomed out enough where if you're not an expert on, on the subject, you can pretty much follow along. And if you are uh, pretty well-versed in SEO, I consider myself someone who knows the basics and I learned a lot from speaking with him today. So. I think uh, I think you guys will too. Really enjoyed speaking with him, and uh, thanks for your time. Hope you enjoy. So, Bobby, how's business going? It's going good. Uh, things are picking up. Uh, you know, despite I guess uh, you know when the pandemic first hit, I thought you know we did actually lose a couple of clients, or whatever. But then, uh, like you know, a lot more clients actually signed up right, right, right as they were stopping off. So, fortunately, I think business has been going okay. So, um, yeah, going okay. That's good to hear. Where Where are you working now? Are you are you still in Florida? Or I saw on the calendar invite, like you're in some time zone I didn't recognize. <laughs> I'm in Vietnam. You're in Vietnam, no way. Yeah, yeah, I've been in Vietnam for a while. Like I moved here in uh, early 20, January 2018, so I've been here ever since. I thought you were in, okay, so someone told me you were in Vietnam when we first started working together, I think, and then, I don't know, one of my other clients that I referred to you or something told me that you were in Florida, and then I was just confused, so I figured I'd better not assume. <laughs> I did used but, to live uh, in Miami. I lived in Miami for a couple of years. Very enjoyable time, yeah. Okay. So I wanted to talk to you about that. So your, your team doesn't all operate out of Vietnam, do they? No, my team is entirely remote. I work with a couple, mostly offshores. I mean, you know, most of them, most of the people that do the SEO part in the Ukraine, and they have a couple of people in the Philippines, uh, one guy in Bulgaria or Bosnia, I'm sorry. And then another guy, India, one in India, and then one in the States. I still got uh, someone in Baltimore. So kind of all over the place. I've seen you guys work together though, and it's, it feels like you're like a cohesive team still. How are you able to achieve that? I mean, I, I too run a remote team, so I know what it's like to you know have to piece that that workspace environment together. But at least we're in roughly the same time zones. How do you manage that kind of a of a workspace environment? I don't. Know. I mean, I guess. Uh, well, every Monday I do try to have meetings. Like every Monday is just pretty much filled with meetings, so I get everyone to just kind of see each other, talk to each other. See, I try to do video calls and make sure you know people kind of feel like they're in some type of work environment. And even generally during those meetings, it's not necessarily like all work like i just want people to talk to each other you know talk about their day their weekend or whatever just kind of cool. get a feel for each other i think when you have those type of conversations you know there's a little bit of more i guess like you said cohesion and you know and yeah cohesiveness cohesiveness i suppose so you're uh working with a lot of these guys offshore have you run into any stumbling blocks or are any has it been pretty smooth sailing uh well nothing that is related to like the fact that they're offshore or remote, like no time zone sure. issues or nothing like that. Uh, just, you know, I did bring on a couple of new people actually this month. So, you know, just going through training, just trying to get them on board. So I guess, you know, if you want to call those you know, obstacles, it just, you know, general, just trying to get people on board and training. Um, you know, recently, actually, I, I closed some funding, some people invested into the agency. So that really helps. So then, you know, now I'm able to scale and kind of That's focus. cool. Yeah. So like, cause uh, you know, what I, what that really helps me do is not like, I don't have to focus on revenue generating activities. I can focus on like, you know, building the business and taking my time instead of like in this constant loop that I try to need to, you know, get more clients or, you know, to figure out client retention, things like that. So, uh, so yeah, that's the only really major obstacles I've been working on is just trying to train my team up. It's that way I can kind of phase myself out of, uh, you know, I guess the day to day stuff. How did you come to that decision to go get funding for your business? I mean, it's crossed my mind too, but most people in during my industries tend to be bootstrapped, just revenue based. No extra funding. How? What was the decision-making process like to, to come to do something like that? I was really lucky, and like yeah, I was bootstrapped, like you're mentioning. I never had any intention in uh, of getting that, and quite frankly, I probably could have been okay without it. 
Uh, but, you know, I have a lot of friends that are in the industry. You know, some of them have, you know, I guess done okay. And then now they're just kind of looking to invest. And a couple of really close friends were talking to me about it. And they, they really wanted, they expressed interest in investing to the agency. So after some time, I considered it. And I said, you know what, this might be a good thing. And, you know, so, yeah, so I went for it. And, you know, it's, it's, it, I'm glad that I did it. It's a cool idea. That's really cool. You, you kind of strike me when I think about you as an entrepreneur and our interactions that we've had together, you kind of strike me as a very focused person. Like you tell me, tell me if I'm speaking out of turn here, but it seems like you're kind of the guy that focuses on doing one thing and doing it really well, rather than trying to be a jack of all trades or spread yourself thin. Does that seem true? <laughs> I, well, I want to focus and I try my best to focus. I think for the longest time, I probably considered myself a jack of all trades, but I kind of try to kind of try to shy away from that. Like, I, you know, I've been guilty of that shiny object syndrome or whatever um and sometimes it still comes um but now as the agency has grown and i kind of see you know got more experience i kind of realized the need to try to focus and take things one at a time so um i uh, I, I guess i am trying to do that so i guess if you're if you're saying that you, you see that from me that i'm glad i guess it's working <laughs> you put a good foot forward <laughs> yeah, yeah so i mean i've always believed like like are you just one step forward right as long as i take forward direction forward motion everything will work itself out that's all i always tell myself so no matter what just go forward <laughs> That's that's definitely the truth, yeah. Um, are you still focusing on cannabis? That's what you were focusing on for the longest time, right? I was focusing or trying to cannabis focus businesses? on CBD and cannabis, and we do have some CBD and cannabis clients, although I wouldn't say it's been the focus. I think all the, the clients are kind of all over the place. I mean, um, you know, I, I wanted to niche down. I wanted to focus. I think it would be easier and better, but, you know, I'm not going to really turn down business. If people want to work with me, you know, they want to, you know, I, I'm not going to turn it yeah. down. I've been lucky that most of them, my business lately have been coming through referrals. Those guys that invested, that was a big part of why I wanted to let them in is because they had a pretty good network as well. And they sent quite a few clients already. So that's been really helpful. So uh, no, I'm not focused on cannabis or CBD, although I would like to, but you know, I, I'm not niched down right now. I have some questions about the cannabis industry. It's, it's such an interesting, and I, you know, I have some clients in that space too. Um, that's how we met originally, but uh, cannabis brands really still can't advertise at all, can they? Like on in terms of like PPC stuff like that. No, I mean you, you can't directly advertise on Facebook and Google. There are workarounds and there are ways to get past that. There's a lot of ways to get past that, um, but it's still quite a challenge. Uh, you know the main channels that cannabis and CBD brands and those type of other niches. You know, I guess like guns or whatever. You know these kind of like I guess uh, sensitive niches. Pretty much the best ways to advertise is either via influencer marketing or SEO. So um, fortunately, you know, one of the things that my agency does specialize in SEO. So that's a little you know, an edge that we have. That makes sense. So you said that there are some ways to get around like the paid advertising stuff. Does any of it work long term or is it like kind of doing black hat stuff where you're just going to get banned by Google in a few months anyways? Uh, yeah, no, it can. I mean, like I actually do have a black hat background. So fortunately, like I have some experience in, in trying to do this. And I know really like you can definitely you can definitely make it work. It's just that you know, you're kind of playing with fire. So like. I think that regulation, as regulation starts becoming more favorable for both CBD and cannabis, eventually Facebook and Google will allow advertising. So that's why I kind of don't want to play too much with, with fire, like knowing that I think at, at some point they will allow it. So I'd rather just kind of wait. But, you know, I do still have some brands, you know, one of our mm -hmm. brands asked us to try to figure out how to get on Facebook. So, you know, I put together a proposal. I'm pretty transparent saying this is a risk. You know, you may do everything right and still lose your account. You know, that's just how it goes on Facebook and Google, especially during these times with like all the political stuff going on. Facebook's really sensitive and like really like being strict about, you know, what they allow, what, what has they allowed to be approved. So seriously, these, uh, like the whole process now where you have to get like a disclaimer on your advertisements and they just flag everything as political content. It's brutal, man. Yeah. Yeah. Do yeah. You, so do you do a lot of uh, social advertising as well? Or are you primarily SEO? Uh, we're starting to get into it. Like, uh, you know, I mean, I ran Facebook ads in the past, like myself, you know, a couple years ago when I was actually doing black hand stuff. So I have the experience there and I can see how Facebook can help SEO and general digital marketing. Uh, so I recently brought on a Facebook ad specialist and uh, he has a lot of experience doing e-commerce and drop, drop shipping and e-commerce, which I think is one of the more challenging niches to do on Facebook. And because of that, it's something that I'm trying to offer and trying to, you know, start offering as a service, um, starting with the clients that we currently have, you know, I'm just offering some free Facebook trying to, you know, build a better process for it and stuff like that. Uh, so it's something that we are starting to get into. Yeah. What makes it a challenging niche, the drop shipping and e-commerce? 
Well, it's really competitive. You're going for like your margins aren't very high, and it's just really competitive. Like you know, maybe I'm a little biased because I come from like the affiliate marketing, black hat, drop shipping, e-commerce is kind of in sure. there. And these guys are really cutthroat, man. Like these guys are really cutthroat, and they <laughs> they really know how to maximize like margins and and these Facebook Facebook ads and Google ads. Uh, so because of that, anytime I find out that someone has like a media buying experience or affiliate marketing experience, or black hat experience, I'm really like attracted to them because I know what their skill set is and they're able to pretty much solve a lot of problems. Um, so, you know, back to making, you know, as to why dropshipping or e-commerce is, is, um, is challenging is, you know, competition. Like a lot of people are really good at doing e-commerce, doing dropshipping on Facebook. They know all the tricks of the trade. There's little kind of like, I guess for the lack of a better word, dirty tricks that you can do to try to raise up your CPCs and your CPMs to kind of get the competition out, stuff like that. Small things that they'll, they'll, they'll report competitive, they'll report competitor ads, they'll spam back comments and stuff like that. So it's a very cutthroat game. Oh my God. Right. Yeah. So that's why I really admire these guys that are able to make it work. Uh, yeah. This type of yeah. Pitches. yeah. That's wild. Uh, I, did, did, I had no idea it was that intense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have some questions for you kind of about SEO in general, because, you know, I, I spend a lot of time with websites because I'm a web developer, uh, but there, it's SEO is not my area of expertise. It's like the first thing I tell people, and I'm like, you got to talk to Bobby if you if you need SEO done. So, what kinds of businesses should and shouldn't rely on SEO as part of their strategy for for marketing? Well, I think first, so there's pretty much two main ways to advertise online when you get started. You either have Facebook or Google, right? Google, of course, you have the ads or SEO. So you should try to think of Facebook as when you have a new product or a service that you want to educate the consumer about, you should rely on Facebook for that. Because obviously, you know, video ads, image ads, you can kind of educate the product. You should take to Google, whether it be SEO or Google ads, once you kind of have a brand or an established brand or 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 people know what they're looking for. So essentially, you want to be on Google when people know are looking for you, actively looking for you. So, you know, I wouldn't say necessarily like all businesses can benefit from SEO. I think it depends on what stage of business you're in. Um, I don't think SEO should ever be your first channel. Why? Because, you know, everyone has heard it and it's true. SEO takes a long time. It's unpredictable. You don't really know when you're going to rank. You can do everything right. And I, you, you don't know when you rank. What I can tell you is that eventually you won't rank, right? I always compare SEO to like losing weight, right? You want to lose 20 pounds? You know what you need to do, diet and exercise. You don't know exactly when those 20 pounds will come off. But if you keep doing these two activities well, it'll come off at some point. And if you do them more and very well, then it'll probably lose weight faster. SEO is the same way. So you should invest into SEO when you're ready to scale your business or if you're okay with waiting you know, patiently for the results. It could be very well six, seven months before you don't really see anything. Like Then you might start seeing some traction. And then the four or five months before you really start getting the results of that. So that's if you're a brand new business. If you've already established business and you have tra- revenue tra- and, and traffic coming in, then SEO is a lot easier for you because you have revenue coming in from other sources. And if you're an already established brand, you're likely getting some organic traffic already. So that being said, SEO would probably be a little bit quicker for you. you know? So um, yeah, so that's you know my answer. If you're already established, that's when I would consider focusing SEO. It should be like a secondary or third channel. Because like my, my understanding is that you need to have like a pretty huge amount of content to have any success. Is that accurate? It's kind of something that floats around. Like, yeah, if your I website's mean, kind of like a one pager, you don't have a chance. Well, I mean, that's not entirely accurate, right? Yes, content does help, but like people, you know, people that aren't even like, you know, people, I feel like people just say, yeah, you need content, you need content for SEO, right? If you, you can publish all the content in the world, but like, you know, no one's going to see it. If I publish five, 10 blog posts, like, like no one's going to see it. It's not going to automatically rank number one, right? So there's a couple of things that you need to do SEO. First is like the, all the technical and on-page stuff, making sure your site is easily crawlable by Google and, it's, and, and you know, it's working, it's fast. You can kind of compare like the technical part to like if you have a brick and mortar store, it's like the electrical wiring and the signs, like make sure all that stuff, you know, you want to make sure your infrastructure is right, right? So that's like the technical sure. part. Um, and then you have your on-page, which to me is a little separate from technical. So if your on, your on-page would be like, you know, your title tag and stuff like that. So like, if you go back to the example of the brick and mortar store, it'd be like the sign on your store. We sell, we sell pizza. Very clear what you guys do, right? SEO is the same way on your title tag. We sell pizza. It's very clear to Google what you do, right? Um, and then you have content. It's kind of difficult to explain content's role, right? So if I publish 10 or if I've published 10 articles a month, likely it's not going to really get any traction. 
if you publish a hundred articles a month, then you probably start getting traction, right? Because you're just like flooding just a massive amount of content to Google that you can't help but to rank for some keywords automatically that are likely to be really uncompetitive. So if you're going to go like, so, so I guess content only really plays a role if you are targeting really easy keywords, right? And a lot of times people don't even know when they're publishing content, they don't even know what they're publishing. They're just publishing content for the sake of, of content. So I guess um, content isn't like really the main the main key to SEO. Actually, the biggest factor in ranking, and this is highly debatable, but I, I, I swear by it, and I promise if, you if people test it themselves, they'll see the results for themselves, is link building, right? And I'm not sure if you're familiar mm -hmm. with link building or if you know much about it. I'm sure you've heard of it, but I don't know if you know exactly. Yeah. yeah, I'm familiar with it. I've had zero luck with it, so it's not a service that I offer, but uh, I'd, I'd love it if you would explain it to, to people who uh, may not have heard of it. Yeah, link building is just simply getting a site to link to you, right? Like you just go to a web, you just like let's say you know back in let's say you're a, you're you're a restaurant website, or whatever. And if you go to other local websites, like you know, let's say your restaurant website, like a pizza restaurant in New York City or whatever, and then you go hit up other like you know bloggers, local bloggers in New York, and say, hey, can you link to my my website? You know, let it, let people know that we're a good pizza restaurant, or whatever. And this blogger will link to your website. That is a link, right? And the more of links that you can get, the more of those links you can get, the better. And that is the number one ranking factor. That's what separates you. If you didn't do any SEO and if you just built links to your site, that will likely get you some noticeable results and, cl and climb up the rankings. So, um, yeah, so that's really where people should mostly be investing uh, when it comes to SEO is the link building part. So, And that's, when you say investment, that's actually like a monetary investment, right? It's not just a Yeah, so there's a couple. So how does that work? Well, yeah, it's, it's both, right? So, I mean, it's very easy. Like, there are, there are services out there just sell you links. Like, they already have relationships with site owners or bloggers, and they'll just literally say, hey, if you want to link with these certain metrics from this type of site, you know, this is the this is the cost, and we'll get you a link from there. It's very, it's very straightforward. The issue that some people have with that is Google has openly stated that they don't like paid links, and you could, you know, possibly be at risk for penalty if you, you know, do too much of this activity. The reality of it is like, it's very difficult to track that. Um, we do buy links, whatever. Uh, we, we do buy links, you know, very transparent on that. And that's just the easiest way to get links because your alternative to getting link building, what Google wants you to do is just publish content and just hope that sites link to you, right? You publish all this great content and sites will naturally link to you. Problem is if you're a brand new website and you're publishing this content, no one really knows about you. Like no one's just gonna link to you. Like, you know, it's just not that, it's not that easy unless you're doing this for years at a time. Right. So unless you can afford to publish content for years and as you're building a brand, okay, but most people can't do that. So it's much easier just to go out and buy links and use services that people where people already have these established relationships. And more often than not, like if if you if Google catches that you paid for a link, usually the worst case scenario is that they'll just devalue that link, meaning that link won't really pass any value to you. So and there's a lot of ways to do this to buy links without making it look like, you know, that you bought a link, right? So um, so yeah, so for the most part, it's just buying, it's just going to these services or working with an agency and they probably have these relationships as well as too. And they'll, you know, give you, Hey, this is what it costs for a link or whatever, or some agencies build that into their price offering. Like they already say, Hey, we're going to get you X amount of links, you know, into their whole mm. package offering. So you don't have to worry about it. There is kind of a quality versus quantity thing going on there with those links though, right? Like they're, they're not all created equal. Is that, is that accurate? That is accurate. I, the best way to the best way to explain links. This is how I like to explain it. Imagine if I'm applying for a job, right? Then I have references. I have a. I'm applying to be, you know, a digital marketing director, right? And I have a couple of different references, right? One reference is my mom. Another reference is the president, and another reference is some CEO of some other marketing company that I used to work for, right? So you can kind of think of links as this way, right? Ideally, you want links like. The best links would be the one from like the CEO for some marketing company, right? He's relevant. If I'm applying to work for you, like, okay, this guy has, you know, this guy has some credibility, the CEO, or whatever. So I'm sure Bobby's a good hire. The president has a good reference. He might know, he might not know exactly how good I am at, at marketing, but he's a freaking president, right? So that's like getting a link from. So if you're, if you're in the marketing industry, you want links from marketing businesses is what you're saying, right? Yes. Yeah, so you that's want links marketing example. from marketing businesses, like high authority marketing sites, like, uh, Mm, okay. Well, I can't even think of any, you know, a big market like search engine land or something like that. Those are ideally what you sure. want, right? So that's how you should look at links, whatever. So you want authority links from within your niche. It's not always easy to get links, like you know. So you're not always able to get a link 
from within your niche because a lot of these niches are really random. Like you might be in some really, you know, really mm -hmm. tough niches. So it's hard to find a niche that will be willing to link out to you. So sometimes you might just have to go for an authority, some general news site or something like that. So something someone said to me once and it kind of caught me off guard. It's an interesting concept, but um, someone said SEO is no longer uh, something you do. It's something that happens after you've done everything else. Right. Uh, do you think that that's true? Does that, does that, seem correct seo is something that you no longer do is something that you do after you've done everything else correct i think it was a reference to rank brain like the the google's algorithm for like determining if people found what they were looking for on your site when they went and visited it the first time I, i'm not exactly sure that any idea what i'm talking about there or what they're talking about i kind of think i think i know what they're trying to say i think whoever said that is trying to say hey just you know, build a really good looking site, publish content, do the right things, and then eventually SEO will happen. And if yeah. if that's what they're saying, then you know I disagree. You know, SEOs. I think that there are SEOs out. There. In fact, I'm very confident that there are SEOs out there that know that Google's algorithm better than Google's own engineers, right? because they're testing stuff all day long. In fact, there's a. I went to a conference late last year, and some guy was able to rank number one for a lot of keywords using only the lorem ipsum text. Like Lorem Ipsum text, whatever, and he just had just a couple wow. of keywords on that page, but that page had only Lorem Ipsum text. And For people who don't know, funny... Lorem Ipsum is like dummy text. It's like fake Greek wording that's been used for hundreds of years. Yeah, Sorry, pretty much just mind. the filler text. I'm sure everyone has seen it, whatever. And actually, um, I think uh, he published an article or an article about that, and then Google actually ended up banning his site from Google Search Console right, after publishing that article. So. You know, these are the kind of things I think most people like isn't mainstream. Like Google will like kind of suppress some of this stuff, or whatever. So that's why I don't think it's wise to listen to everything that Google says when it comes to SEO or a lot of people like, you know, there's there's ways to kind of, I guess for lack of a better word, a game and, and do SEO. So you certainly can actively do SEO. But I do stand by my statement earlier that it shouldn't be like what you rely on like because it's, it's, it's going to take a lot of your thinking. So it shouldn't be your first channel, but you certainly should be actively doing it once you are engaged in it plays a role in your funnel, but it shouldn't be the whole funnel. Yep. So Google is like what we've been focusing most of our conversation around. How important are other search engines when you're doing SEO? Do you, is it just kind of like an added on benefit that like you get some traffic from Bing if you do everything right for Google? Or do you have a separate Bing strategy that you would that you would utilize for some reason? Um, not at the moment, although I will say something that I probably will look into. I think uh, I am looking at our clients and a lot of our clients are actually getting some some leads and some chat or a good amount of traffic from Bing. Um, so it's not something I'm actively paying attention to because, you know, most of the search engines just pretty much mimic what Google does by do being all these included. So as long as you do really well in Google, you will likely rank well in Bing and Baidu as well, or Bing and all these other search engines as well. Um, with that being said, I have met people in the past back in my affiliate marketing days that focused only on Bing, Bing SEO, Bing ads, Bing content network, and they were doing just, they were doing pretty well. So, you know, just cause it's easier and less competitive. I do think it is easier and it is certainly less competitive. You're just only getting a fraction of the traffic. So I would recommend if you decide to try to make Bing as your main, like try to do just Bing, you should probably focus on a niche that has a lot of traffic and volume because Bing, you know, I think only has like a small, I don't even know, I think it's maybe 15, 12%. I think it's gotten a little bit more, but I think 15, 12% of the search market, which is nothing. So, uh, but it is, it is doable. I've seen people make it work. I don't know if you saw, but, uh... Google is getting slapped with an antitrust violation. So that could end up being a thing could end up, end up getting a little bit more market share there. What they're trying to do is if you haven't seen it, they're trying to make it. So Apple's right now, Google's paying Apple to have Google be the, the default search engine on Safari on their iPhone. So they're trying to take that away. So that, that might change that up a little bit. Uh, if you haven't seen it. Yeah. No, I read the headline, but I didn't look into detail. That's uh, that's interesting. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's deeper than that. And I'm not a lawyer, so I don't even know, but nothing's happening yet. So we'll see. Um, what do you think about companies that do, that have both a really strong SEO, uh, campaign that they're working on. And then simultaneously, they're also working on Google ads. For those of you who don't know, Google ads is like, you can pay to rank at the top of certain search terms instead of having to go through the whole SEO process. Um, Bobby, what do you think about like doing both of those things? 
I think you should actually do it. I always like tell clients like if you can do more channel, like, um, a couple of channels at once, like in conjunction with SEO, it really helps your SEO. Uh, this is kind of like I guess a little secret or, or or I guess not a secret, a little hack that I found. This is someone else that someone else showed me, but we actually tested sending paid traffic to a page that we were trying to rank, right? And we saw that rankings actually started climbing up after we send paid traffic, right? And this traffic didn't even come Wait, from the, the same. The organic rank started to increase. Yeah, we saw we saw a, I mean we saw a correlation rate. We saw rankings go up once we started sending paid traffic and it, like now I would only recommend like if this page is already ranking on the second or third page for some terms and then it, it would shoot up right if it's like on the eighth eighth page or whatever I wouldn't really recommend it. But the point I'm trying to make is that I have seen a correlation between sending more traffic and higher rankings. So and in fact when we tested this we actually didn't even use traffic from the same geo we were sending like traffic from like Pakistan or India or whatever and this client was in the U.S. and we saw the ranking benefits whatever. Uh, now, in some cases, it didn't stick. We had to keep doing it, but in some cases, it, it did. So uh, the lesson learned is if you can combine SEO and paid traffic, you should certainly do it because you will notice that everything helps each other. Um, you know, There's nothing greater than if people search a keyword, they see your ad in Google, and then they see you in the organic result as well. So the more SERP, search engine real estate page is what we call it, SERP. Uh, SERP real estate, you can take up the better. You'll get probably some ranking benefits as well. And your ads will probably convert better as well. You know, they see you on the organic listings. So you should definitely do that if you can. I've had some people say, feel like they were competing against themselves. When I, when I like recommended that approach to them, I'm like, yeah, you should do, you should try, try both SEO and PPC. Uh, and I, I kind of mentioned it to them casually because I'm not an SEO professional, but they were like, no, I don't want to compete against myself. And you think that you're, you're saying that the more real estate you take up on that first initial search landing page, like SERP is what you called it. You're saying that that's the way to think about it, not competing against myself. Absolutely. I think a lot of people actually make a mistake. Like I, I get in clients all the time that they're running Google ads. Like, hey, we want to do some SEO. We're trying to cut some costs and save our costs on PPC. I'm like, well, if your PPC campaigns are profitable, why would you ever cut costs? Like if your investment into something and it's working, why would you like stop investing into it? You should pour more investment to your PPC and then you should also invest into your SEO and then you're going to see benefits on both channels. So that's kind of what I would recommend pe telling people. Like I don't think people... People always look to try to cut costs, I guess, when it comes to like, I guess, you know, marketing. I am a little different. I try to invest more. If I see something work, I'm going to put more, you know, put more fuel to it. So I think that's how people should look at, you know, when they're trying to debate whether they should do ads or SEO or you know, how to work them together. I have more experience with Facebook ads than I do with Google ads. So how scalable are Google ads, right? So if, if something's converting at like, I don't know, 50 cents a, a click, if you spend 10 times the amount, will is it likely that that, that ratio or that cost per click will stay the same or does does it the, the cost increase as you scale the, the campaign does that make sense it does it's so difficult you know there's a lot of variables in there i would say this though sure i would say generally if something is working like let's say the cpc you know let, let's say you have some campaign that's really profitable generally when you scale your costs are going to go up right your cpa your cost per acquisition is going to go up however you make up for it in volume so you actually probably end up making more money it just it may not be as profitable, but you'll make up more money because you're scaling, right? Mm -hmm. So you're getting more volume. So that's a lot of things. That's another thing that a lot of people, you know, clients, always talk to me or bring up, you know, about as well, or bring up an issue they bring up is like, oh, our CPA is going up, and we want to go our, keep our CPA down. A lot of times when you're just scaling, your second, CPA is going CPA, go. everyone, CPA is cost per acquisition. So it's instead of like cost per click or cost per lead, it's the cost per actual customer that you get. Sorry, mm -hmm. continue, Bobby. Yeah, and actually, a lot of times your CPA may go up during the scale, and it likely will, to be honest with you. Because I try to think of like when you're working on an ad campaign, you're doing is you're zooming in, right? You're trying to create this perfect campaign, this perfect persona, or whatever the perfect targeting and and, and keyword, the, the right keyword bidding, and all that stuff. And once you get it as like profitable as it can be, then you start adding more budget and you just start kind of zooming out, right? So you're going to start adding more like demographics into this audience, which may not be as targeted as before. Uh, but you're scaling out, so you're going to make more money. You're getting more volume, or whatever. And at the same time, anytime you put more money, you know, into Google or Facebook, you're giving Google or Facebook the ability to get more data, right? They have this pixel that helps you optimize the campaign. And anytime you can give this pixel more data, like the better. These pixels are very good at optimizing these campaigns. They can almost pretty much manage the campaign for you. So if you give it more money, you know, you know, that's you know, it, it's much better. And that's actually what a lot of you know, these affiliate marketers, the guys that I used to work with, affiliate marketers, dropshippers, or whatever, that's kind of the unfair advantage they have is once they get big, they can drop like 50K in a couple of hours just to give it data. And like, that's just, it's very difficult to compete with that. So 
So can you zoom out real quick and explain the concept of pixels to people? Yeah, so both Facebook and Google, they have something called this conversion pixel. It's a simple code that you place on your website, right? And you just tell, you, this pixel just pretty much tracks the entire campaign for you, right? It, tell, it pretty much, what it will do is in the Facebook or Google ads platform, like let's say, you, let's, for example, generally you, you install this pixel on like your thank you page. So when someone makes a purchase, the thank you page will load. And once the thank you page loads, the pixel fires. And when it fires, then it shows up as a conversion in Facebook or Google, right? And that's kind of the data that I'm referring to. So the more it fires, the more face these, these pixels can kind of figure out what's what's making it fire. Okay, people for, people age 35 and up, you know, are triggering this pixel fire. People in California are triggering it. People, women, you know, with these certain interests, whatever. It just starts learning how to, it just starts learning your campaign and getting better. And it starts finding more people like those customers. So. Thanks. Uh on a similar related note, do you think that, um, I know it works on Facebook because I've used it, but do you think that Google remarketing is still an effective tool today? Yes, absolutely. I think anytime you reach out, can you also explain what that is for people? Yeah, everyone, if if you've ever been online (laughs) and and you ever see, like I hear my friends always complain about, man, these ads, these follow, follow me everywhere. I keep seeing this betting ad or whatever all over the place or whatever, right? That is retargeting. So if you've clicked on some ad or you went to some website and then you see those ads following you a couple of days later in some other websites or on Facebook or whatever, that is retargeting. That is that ad following you. So what we can do is we can run campaigns based on if you've interacted with our website or our ad before, then we can also run campaigns retargeting you, targeting you again with a different message. Hey, we noticed that you looked at our website. Why don't you come check us out again? Or, hey, you know what? We'll give you another discount. You know, come check us out. Give us another chance, whatever. So that's retargeting, AKA remarketing. It's super effective. It's a, or at least it was two, three years ago when I was running Facebook ads every day. It was, it's a super effective tool. It is really, it's a little bit more expensive uh, nowadays, but it still works really well. So you should definitely be doing it. Okay. So, and you're saying that Google remarketing is, is just as effective. If I'm not mistaken, Google remarketing is more about like display advertisements rather than um, search results, correct? Yep, that's correct. You're gonna see, yes, yes, that's correct. Does it tie in with YouTube advertising as well? Because Google owns YouTube, obviously. Can you can you remarket website visitors? Do you know what I'm trying to say here? Yeah. I'm failing to word the question correctly, but yeah, can, yeah. I, can I use remarketing on YouTube? Yeah, you absolutely can. So, so. You are starting to jump cool. going to go into ad areas that I'm not quite familiar with. I haven't done Google ads for a long sure. time, and I have like another special that handles right. that. So I try to focus on this. That's my attempt at trying to focus on uh, focusing just on SEO and whatever. I was never good at Got media it. buying and ads, man. That's why I left the affiliate marketing industry, man. I really was bad at it. It's crazy. It's like people think that advertising is such a, a creative field, and in some mediums it is, but it's also like mathematical and scientific. Like you have to be able to run split tests and analyze data and determine what's sign- statistically significant. And it's it's as much a science as it is an art, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Like I think paid ads is like, is really challenging. Well, first I will always say like paid ads can pretty much work for almost any industry, any service, any product, whatever. If you're willing to invest enough cannabis. time to make work. <laughs> Right. It's just like you said, as long as you keep split testing and figuring out the right image copy, the right creative, the right pricing or whatever, eventually your ad campaign will work. And once it works, it's like almost it's like almost autopilot for a little while. Right. And you can really scale the mess out of this ad campaign. You can do like some really you know crazy numbers with it. So I think that's a challenge. A lot of people or a lot of clients, like when they start doing I, I run to it all the time, like Google ads or Facebook ads. Oh, we tried Facebook ads for a month or Google ads a month, and it didn't work. I'm like, well, one, you're not an expert. So right, that's probably why the number one reason why it didn't work. Too. like it's not going to work yeah. after a month like you have to you have to invest into it you need to get data to figure out what works and doesn't work right and then you optimize the campaign based on that so um yeah so i agree with you ads it's just like a science whatever but it's certainly something that people should really you know try to make work so slight subject change but not really um when you hire people for for seo for example because that's what you're best at uh, do you hire people who already have their own like SEO philosophies and they've already been doing it and they're, they're, they're already like kind of experts in SEO? Or do you hire people that are like super coachable and you can train in the way you think about about the industry and, and the mechanics of, of search engines? Uh, that's actually a good question. I think that initially, so you know how my SEO operation works is I actually have like a partner company that I work with and then you kind of partner up and we kind of like do our own, we kind of like of, now jointly kind of 
build our own SEO philosophies and like our process and stuff like that. But initially when I worked with them, I kind of wanted to implement my SEO philosophies, right? And my SEO philosophies kind of follows my life philosophy, which is like the 80-20 rule, right? Like I always believe like just do the 80 the 80 whatever oh, I, can't really, I can't even say this right the 80 20 20 percent of work that gives you 80 percent of the results there we go right i can't show you how to like phrase this right <laughs> i never like phrase this right but yeah like most people aren't doing seo like most people aren't doing any optimization so if you just focus on these like certain core elements that puts you way ahead of the competition already and that was kind of the philosophies that i kind of wanted them to adopt and they did adopt much of that now that we kind of had this relationship, now I kind of like step back and let them like do their own thing because they're really in the weed works and they're really testing and, and keeping up with all the updates. And I just can't keep up with everything, you know, trying to run a business and, you know, try to manage clients and stuff. It's hard for me to keep up with like everything. So nowadays I kind of let, you know, if I work, if I hire someone or I work with someone, I kind of will like let them, you know, do their thing. You know, if it meets kind of my criteria, the 80, 20, and then if they have some extra spins on it or whatever, then yeah, sure, you know, do whatever you think as long as, hey, we're focusing on what gets results, so. So kind of like a hybrid approach, like you've got the part that you really care about, you wanna make sure that they're doing and then let them bring their own expertise and experience into the, into the mix as well. Yeah, I think that's a good part of it. I think um, like a lot of SEO specialists are like, some of them kind of are close to, you know, I don't, I haven't worked, actually, I've never worked with any engineers, but so I, I feel like that's what I would envision an engineer would be, uh, these SEO specialists. But what I mean by that is like sometimes, they really want to focus on these things that I don't really think really move the needle, right? They want to focus on this really minute area. All right, well, this link is broken down here. I was like, we fixed this link. This is not going to push us to page one. You know, what will push us to page one is like updating the URL or changing the title tag or getting these links, mm -hmm. or whatever. So that, again, that's the only thing I kind of really try to like correct when I'm working with or hiring someone. I work on SEO specials. Hey, try to focus on what gets results. We have limited time to get results for these clients, so we need to really like get up results for these clients first. And then once we have the trust, then we can start, you know, taking our time and, and doing all these other little mini details that, you know, will, will, will help. So, Yeah, absolutely. Do you find it hard to explain to clients? Like, because you just mentioned that you have limited time with clients. Do you have it? Do you find that it's difficult to explain to clients that like, hey, it's going to take like four or five months until you start to get search results, uh, you know, improvements in your search results? Is that a, is that a difficult conversation or do most of the time do you feel like they, they understand? No, it's not, it's not challenging having that conversation. In fact, most clients come and they actually kind of know that it's going to take a while and it's going to get results. And I reinforce that the challenge comes in that they still telling this and still sometimes they're like a little impatient, like, oh, well, we wouldn't really do anything this month or this last month, we didn't really get the results, you know? And after like several times I've reinforced, it's going to take some time, you know, you might get results within a couple of months, you might not, just don't make that age for patient. So that's where the challenge comes in is that some people, you know, no matter how much you try to hammer this and tell them, you know, sometimes, oh, I cancel this. Um, no matter how much you try to tell them this, they still like forget about it or aren't aware of it or just get impatient or whatever. What is this? You're a popular guy. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'd like to think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can imagine that being being pretty complex. Like I said, I used to run Facebook ads for people and it's not as uh, as long of a wait as Google ads, or not Google ads, uh, SEO, but there still is kind of like a period where you're like testing and trying to get things to, to work out. And it's just a difficult conversation to be like, yeah, it's never gonna work in month one. It's a month two, three, four. I never knew you had Facebook is. ads. I never knew you had a Facebook ads background. That's, that's pretty interesting. That's pretty actually, I don't know. I rarely talk about it. It's something that uh, it's not a not a part of my life anymore. <laughs> did you do a lot of it? I did. Yeah, I did for it was my is my main business for probably two years. I'd say. Oh, wow! I should but, talk uh, to you more. I yeah. <laughs> I should talk to you more about that. I had no idea, man. <laughs> it's a cool industry. It's it's not something I really want to be a part of anymore, though. It's like um, one of the a principle I've learned in business for me, and it's not the same for everyone, is that the fewer services that I offer, the more successful the ones that I do offer will be. And that's just because with me, I need everything to be super process oriented and super focused. Um, but, but I guess not everyone operates that way. <laughs> Some people like to have a breadth of services and that's just probably the way, way that I am. I need to talk um, to you sometime about that. Like, Cause I'm really working on trying to get these processes and stuff. Like as I'm, as I'm scaling, I'm like, oh man, this is like difficult. Cause I can see yourself like you've you kind of phased yourself out a little bit, right? So you're not too much into the day-to-day -day as much as you were before. Yeah, that's, that's, that's true. I, part of that for me was I have a really great team. So I think you've met Andrew. Uh, he's our creative director, and then we have uh, another guy, Josh, and the two of them really just run the show, and they they can 
I can just trust that they'll follow the processes that the three of us have developed together and that they'll just they'll just complete the project as, as we described. Uh, but I wanted to ask you, what do you view as your strengths as an entrepreneur? I think my strengths as an entrepreneur is actually probably communication. You know, I think if I really try to narrow it down, I think, uh, and I think communication, clear communication is actually an underrated skill, I guess, both in entrepreneurship and in life in general. Um, and I think, I think as a result of that, you know, it makes it easier for me to sell. So because I can communicate, I, put, I, I, kind, of, I kind of nowadays pride myself in communicating. Once I realize, I think this is a skill set that, I, that, that, I, that, I, you know, that makes me different. Uh, I realize that, you know, I try to put more effort into sales and business development. Um, and that includes like when it comes to, you know, talking on email, just chatting, you know, call, of course, getting on calls, whatever. I think communication is, is probably my greatest skill set. I think there's a way that you can type emails. There's a way that you can talk and like and guide the conversation in a way that's clear for the person to understand. I mean, a lot of people just jibber jabber. Like, for example, when people are writing an email, they just start like, you know, they just write an email. They just write, ask all these questions. And it's like just one big paragraph. And I'm like, no one reads blocks of text nowadays. <laughs> like, you know, people just kind of <laughs> glimpse and, and scan now. So you kind of like, knowing that people glimpse and scan down, you, you kind of need to like rewrite your, your emails that way. So for example, anytime I type anything online or email, I always do the space between every sentence. And no matter how short or small, mm -hmm. I do it one space between each sentence. If it's a question, I make it clear, this is a question. I need you to answer this question, things like that. So I think kind of back to what you said, I think communication is probably my biggest skill set and I try to, what I try to you know constantly improve and work on. Now, being as that's your strength, do you handle all communication with clients for your business or does, does your team also? You know, my team is starting to help out with that. That's actually the the, the, the roadblock I'm facing it because like and it's probably more of a mental block. I'm sure I can you know I'm sure other people can you know communicate well in their own ways. I guess I'm kind of picky about that because like you know like the way I communicate with clients, uh, I feel like there's I think there's a balance between trying to be over fluffy. Like people have kind of fluff in conversations sometimes. If you know what I mean, mm -hmm. you know. And I think this, uh, it, it just requires experience when you know when you can kind of add a little bit of fluff and when you remove fluff, right? You can kind of tell a person who they want to be really quick, short, and direct, and someone who kind of likes a little small talk and things like that. And, uh, you know, for example, on my account managers, I find them kind of doing a little bit more fluff than, than needed, and it's just a result of them just not as experienced, you know? So I think the more they have these talks with clients or whatever, and the more they kind of get a feel for how I like to operate, you know, hopefully they'll be able to, you know, um, do the same, so... It's a really tricky thing to train, isn't it? Like, how do you have a conversation with someone about how to have a conversation? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, you're right. I mean, I think you're pretty good. Actually, I've been on calls with you before. And I think I even, even now having having this interview, one thing I'm, I'm going through, I'm like, oh, man, this is like a, a comfortable, a comfortable interview, a very structured, but kind of comfortable, you know, the way you're asking questions and stuff like that, you know, compared to some other ones that I've done. So it's good to hear it's episode three. So I'm glad it's not a total wreck. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, where where are you getting most of your clients these days? So originally I got you just said about referrals is a big port. Yeah, I mean sorry, originally sorry. I got all my clients from Upwork, and but then uh, nowadays it's mostly through referrals. Um, so th that's where most of my clients are coming now. But to be honest, like for the past couple of months, I haven't really actively been trying to find clients. I've been mostly just working on internal processes and the current clients and stuff like that. That being said, um, I'm 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 going back to Upwork as well as doing a lot of cold email outreach, which I see a lot of potential in, by the way. I wish I had done that much sooner. Like, I, I really wish I had done cold email outreach, outreach uh, much, much, much sooner, so. You're gonna, you're gonna have to let me know about how that cold email outreach goes. That's something that really interests me because my, I don't like any, I don't like to focus my entire like strategy on hoping that people will come to me. I know like inbound is better than outbound, but I feel like you need to have some kind of, of an outbound uh, repeatable process in order to have a reliable business model, right? You you have to be able to take the initiative and get leads, whether or not uh, people are coming to you. And you need to have both in your strategy. But I think a lot of people, when they're first starting out, make that mistake. They only focus on the inbound and they're like, yeah, I just need to do SEO. I just need to run some ads. But those things are, are variables and they take some time. How far along are you into setting up your, your cold email? Uh, we're about actually a couple weeks in, but I'm already seeing like, you know, uh, like we sent barely, we sent like over 200 and something emails, only really like over a hundred of that really got through or whatever. And like out of the hundred, we got like eight responses and like three people actually wanting to book. So like once I saw that to me, I'm like, oh man, this is crazy. We didn't really put that much effort into it. So oh, I had now, now let me really try to like make this work or whatever. I feel like it would get much better. So that's why it really kind of excites me. 
but I think eventually I would like rather I would prefer to have mostly inbound SEO and ads. That would probably be my main channel. You sure. know, as we move down the road, the cold email cold email outreach is just a much much more budget friendly sales strategy, which is what I want to experiment with. And it kind of goes in with my personality. Like, uh, you know, one thing I like to do when I sell is like, you know, I like to give a lot of value up front. Like I, I like to go above and beyond for the initial proposal and stuff like that. Um, and that's one thing I try to do through my cold email outreach, which, which I think probably why is, you know, why is kind of having some early success so far. So. So you're using almost like a content marketing strategy in your email outreach. Yeah, I guess you could say that. Yeah. Is that accurate or did I just put words in your mouth? I mean, I think that's accurate. I never thought of it describing that way, but that's a great way to describe it. So I'm going to, you know, keep that in mind. Cool idea. Cool idea. One of these days, I'm going to, I have a guy that I want to, that I want to get on here. Who's an expert on, uh, on outbound uh, email marketing. So uh, I'm I'm excited to, I'm excited to get that, that episode in the can too. Um, so you said you started on Upwork. Um, that's a big lead source for me too. What was your strategy there? How did you differentiate yourself? It's, it's a mess on there. (laughs) It is. Well, I'm lucky because I was on Upwork for the longest time, mostly as a client. So I would like put up jobs and I would see people propose <laughs> and I would see just like the, the worst proposals ever. Like I always joke with my friends, like these proposals are so doo-doo, man. These proposals are really some bad proposals. Man. <laughs> so I'd always joke or whatever. So I knew that once I would, once I decided to join as a freelancer and try to see if I get some work, like my proposals, I would kind of go overboard. Like I would try to give them a lot of work because I knew that I would stand out because I knew what the, I knew what the competition was doing because I was on the client side so I could see it. So I would just really go overboard and try to like really, you know, really analyze or like whatever the job posting was, I would try to go in and do like a brief audit, research their business. Say, I see that you sell this. I see that you've done this. I see that you've done this before. This is what you should do. And I would create like a video and all that stuff. So I think that's what really helped me initially and kind of uh, get me over the board. And over time, you just kind of yeah, no, get... No wonder. <laughs> yeah. And over time, you just kind of get better at optimizing that. You kind of know... Like, you know, you kind of know how to go the extra or make it look like you went the extra mile when it only really took you like this much effort to do it. Right. So kind of do so kind of things like that. So that's kind of um, that was my strategy. That's my strategy in Upwork. Uh, that was my strategy in Upwork. And it's still now. To, so. so rather than just sending the same templated written response that you're getting from 500 companies on every post, you're actually reading their job description and coming up with solutions to their problems. Yes, but I do, I do use a template nowadays, but the template is easily personalizable. So it takes me like a couple of minutes to send a proposal nowadays, well, whatever, but. Wow, that's, that's a pretty smart idea. <laughs> uh, surprised more people don't do that. Um, all right, so a couple of uh, questions for you that are kind of like rapid fire, just things that I'm, I'm just curious about. Bobby, what's, what's one mistake that you see SEO businesses or agencies making uh, either in terms of like the results that they're getting for their clients and they could be doing SEO better, like doing a better job at that or, um, you know, like an infrastructural way, the way that they operate their businesses. Yeah, I would say actually, so communication or communication and under communication, there's two things, two mistakes that I kind of often see is one transparency. Um, I think, a lot of SEO, like especially in this industry or SEO, digital marketing in general, like there's a lot of people that don't have really the greatest ethics out there. They kind of give you BS answers and just, and just hide behind, oh, SEO takes a while, just keep waiting, SEO takes a while, whatever. Um, and I don't think that's fair or right. I think if you're just transparent and honest with people, that really goes a long way. And that was kind of one of my edges when I first started out. I didn't have any reputation or whatever. So I was just I was just being honest with people. I was saying, if I didn't think you needed SEO, I would tell you I don't think you need SEO. Or if I think SEO would, wouldn't be a good fit for you, I would say it, you know? So one is transparency. Um, under that is also like, I guess, communication slash reporting. Like I would notice sometimes SEO agents would just send clients these reports and we just have all these numbers and like, like, you know, keywords and CPCs and stuff like that. Like these clients, most of these clients don't know what the hell they're looking at. They don't know anything about it. So like, it'd be nice if you're gonna send them a report, also like give them a brief summary. Like, what does this report mean? You know, hey, you got this much in rankings, which led to this much in traffic, which led to this much in revenue or whatever. And then people just care about did I make more money than I did before? Am I getting more traffic than I did before? Okay, that's it. So um, I would say communication is probably the number one um, mistake that I see. Thank you. Um, what uh, what marketing gurus, what books, like who are your uh, people that you look to for inspiration from marketing, either creatively, inspiration, um, technically, whatever it might be, like what, what are your resources that you utilize? Uh, well, when I first actually uh, started, so I guess the, uh, there's two people that had really, uh, there's two, there's two people that had a really big influence, I guess, on my career as a uh, digital marketer. So the first person was Charles Ngo, 
who I started working for back in 2015. So I was working at an SEO agency and then I took a pivot and pretty much got into the affiliate marketing industry through Charles Ngo. And that was the first time I really worked under or with like a high performer. That was like when I first learned what, what really hard work is and what it takes to excel. Um, so um, you guys should check him out. His name's Charles, Charles Ngo.com, guy's own blog site. But you know, it taught me a lot of good business entrepreneur philosophies, marketing philosophy, digital marketing, a lot of things that I really got from him. Um, a lot of how I how operate. Spell his last name? Charles Ngo, N-G-O. Charles N-G-O. N-G-O. Okay, thanks. And then uh, nowadays, mostly it's just one person that, that, I, that I follow for SEO, and his name is Matt Diggity, um, Diggity Marketing. He's to me like the the best SEO person alive in my in my eyes. You know, he's like kind of my mentor. I always look at his blog, whatever he has updates. I think he's one of those people that knows SEO better than the Google's engineers because he's always testing stuff all the time, and he's really transparent. He's really he's a really great guy. I've met he's he's you know I've met some gurus like I've, there's gurus that I followed online and they, I met him in person. They weren't quite the same person you know they, they didn't know as much as i they, they kind of portrayed themselves to diggity's not one of those guys he's like couldn't be a better guy couldn't be an upfront transparent honest guy so diggity marketing so pretty much these two people have been really influential in my career is that from a is that, are those two solely from a marketing perspective or is this from a, a business perspective as well would you say um, I guess primarily, well, Charles was from like everything perspective, like, well, anything that related to like working or entrepreneurship and, and thinking and stuff like that, problem solving. Diggity's more SEO. Uh, when it comes to other, like, I guess outside of that, you know, I'm really big into sports. Basketball is one of my favorite like things and passions. So like, you know, guys like Kobe and, you know, Kobe, LeBron, you know, how they kind of operated, you know, I kind of, kind of look at what they do in, in their career and try to apply it myself. And I think that actually gives me a little bit of an edge too. Uh, Mark Cuban's another guy that I really look up to. I really love Mark Cuban. Um, so I guess, you know, pretty much these three guys here, Kobe, LeBron, and Mark Cuban, kind of random, but, you know, I take a lot of, get a lot of uh, inspiration from them. What, uh, what advice would you give to an entrepreneur who wants to go start a company uh, that has never had one before uh, and, and wants to achieve success? Like, I'm very, very big on the mental game. Like, if anyone's ever talked to me, like, sometimes they'll ask me for, like, you know, what should they do? And, like, I, before I even give them anything, I'll say, you need to get your mind right, right? I think when you're doing entrepreneurship or anything difficult, and entrepreneurship is, is difficult, is you got to have a lot of confidence in yourself. You got to be really willing, willing to bet on yourself. And if you just tell yourself, mm-hmm. no matter what it is, I can do it, that mentality will like push you through any problem, right? Because if you have a problem in front of you, how do I get this Facebook ad live? How do I get it profitable? Well, you've already committed that you're going to make this work. So if you make this work, your, your brain's going to constantly be looking for solutions on how to make this work, right? You're going to think of any way to try to make this work. And that, like, that like I guess mentality is what I think has really like helped me, and I, and is what I would give to anyone. So have a lot of confidence in yourself, bet on yourself, and just believe that you know you can make it work. Did you have that from the start, or did you develop that as you went? I developed that as one. Pretty much, that was like one of the things that Charles like uh, um, kind of instilled in me. Like when I was working, it was actually it wasn't very easy. It was actually quite tough on me. And one thing he would always say is no excuses. Like I would start complaining or saying no excuses, stop making excuses, stop making excuses. And over time, like you realize like, damn, I was, I was making a lot of excuses. Like those were excuses. So once you like remove, like there's no excuses and you just, you just have to make it work no matter what, you just got to figure out how to make it work. So. Man, I can't believe how long we went knowing each other without having a conversation like this. It's crazy. I I'm so glad we had a chance to talk. I know I've always like, I've always really like, liked working with you and I thought you were like awesome workers. I really enjoyed your professionalism and yet you had like that, like I, I kind of saw similarities in, in me as well when I talked to you, which is why I was kind of you know, excited to talk to you, do this. So and, uh, I was really like stoked when I saw your, 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 your LinkedIn interview. I was like, oh shit, Max is doing that too. Let me see if I can get on. So <laughs> I'm, I'm super glad you did. I, thank you so much. This is, I really enjoyed speaking with you. Um, where can people find you? Boba Digital is the main place, right? Yeah, I mean, I just have a basic website up right now. It's not the prettiest looking thing, people, but you can certainly hit me up on there. We are going through a redesign, so might be working with our man right here, actually. So we'll be going through a redesign soon. <laughs> um, yeah. Hope so. Uh, but yeah, mobiledigital.com, where you just find me on Facebook. You know, I try to be pretty responsive and I'm pretty open, so hit me up. Awesome. Bobby, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure and uh, look forward to speaking with you more soon. Max, my man, I appreciate it. You as well.